Welcome to the Crash Chords Podcast. Um, we've resurrected John from the dead. Um, sorry, Nelson, but but we needed him. He's so scary. So scary. It's the tiniest zombie I've ever seen. Are you Frankenstein or a zombie? I don't know. Actually, Frankenstein is a zombie. Technically. What? Yeah, I guess technically, is. yeah. He's, he, I mean, you know, it was manifested by man, but still, zombie. No one thinks about that stuff. Total crossover there in the horror field. Um... I'm figuring it all out. <laughs> and welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. <laughs> um, Take two. <laughs> we're back. We're back with John here, and uh, we'll get right into what we've been listening to. So I haven't really been listening to a lot of different music this week, uh, mostly because I lost a bunch of CDs. I'd burned a bunch of CDs and kept them in my car, and now I can't find them. So I went back to listening to Matchbox Twenty and uh, some Flowbots because those I knew where they were. We're very so. clumsy musicologists. <laughs> but uh, where'd my library go? <laughs> well, these are burned CDs. I mean, I can't use my iPod in my car. Sad face. So, so I use CDs still. That archaic method of playing music. You see, I use my iPod in my car because I just put headphones on, which is very illegal in New York State. But I do it anyway. Um, this week I was listening to um, System, Rage Against. I was I was in an angry mood. Rage Against the Machine is a good one. I haven't listened to them in a while. I actually missed them. I should get their CD and uh, put it in my car. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've been listening to um, the theme songs to the Drew Carey show. Really? Yeah. I, I'm That's really funny. like I'm totally immersed in that time frame right now. I love the, that the, show. Uh, the uh, Moon Over Parma theme yeah. in the very first season with, yeah. uh, with the, the penciled in Drew over the white background and yeah. then. Uh, Five o'clock, uh, something by the Vogues. Um, of course, Cleveland Rocks. Yeah. You know what they did for the bulk of it. I just get it stuck in my head. I don't know. I'm listening to it all over and over. Oh, Thinking know, about going through the show again. Speaking you know, of songs stuck in your head. Yeah. What was that other song that was stuck in your head? You were singing it earlier. It was a great song. Yeah. Why don't you tell the audience? You're responsible for that. Yes. Okay. A few weeks back, I was humming to myself a song, and Steve didn't believe that it was a legitimate song. It is, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. And now he knows the words better than I do. Yeah, it's uh, one of those, I'm sure at some point we'll post that for the general masses, because that's something that needs to be spread to the public, I think. Uh, Although it was a sensation in the 60s. Yeah, this was a very big song in the 60s. It also had a bit of a revival in the 80s with Dr. Demento. By who again? Napoleon the 14th, is it? Uh, Some Napoleon, one of them. Napoleon Roman numeral. Yeah. There you go. And uh, but it gained popularity again in the eighties with uh, with Doctor Demento. He played it on his show a lot, where he played like quirky, older and current songs, and that was one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all that has been stuck in my head. So I'm totally a tool this week. Uh, <laughs> no actual music, just uh, porting off things from other places. Fair enough. And you're welcome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, sorry about the confusion last week with uh, with choosing my album. It turns out that I was incorrect in thinking that One Republic would be out by this week. So I'll probably do a song shot on their single Feel Again later this week. But we ended up going with my second choice for this week's album, um, Papa Roach's new album called The Connection, which is the album we are reviewing today. Um, And I guess we'll just get right into it with the first track, Engage, which was just a pretty 52-second intro track. It's a basic intro. Yeah, yeah. it was it, it was a strong, it was a solid it was, it was intro track. It was nice, actually. I thought it was pretty ethereal. kind of sounded like it was meant for a video game. Mm-hmm. And, and had nothing to do with the rest of the album, specifically did not lead up to the actual song that followed it. I really did not like this intro. It was throwaway. I wish they didn't have it. 
Yeah, I, as much as I it was, liked it, it did not have anything. To do. It had nothing to do with the actual music they made on this album. It's true. Well, I mean, the 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 light tone of it was found in some of the other songs later in the record. You could sort of say there was a little bit of a bookended thing going on here because the last track is the only track that was as soft and uh, you know played down as that intro track itself. So I mean, um, it could be it could be for the bookending purpose. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, I, I, the intro pretty before. much does drop, and then the first song kicks yeah, in. The I, first actual song kicks I've in. I've said this before, and with bookending, simply doing a basic bookending of an album does not necessarily make it, uh, you know, a uniformed product necessarily. No, it's kind of a courtesy. But I'd say that the theme throughout the rest of the album was fairly uniform. I mean, this album was definitely connected. It wasn't a mishmash. Uh, it was connected, I believe, mostly in tone. Yeah. Uh, which is what you come to expect in the new metal style music, which this album was, which is what Papa Roach is. Uh, there, there was a lot of theme work going on in these songs, a lot of repetition of chords, and still swinging. The, the, the second actual track, the first uh, singing track, a very heavy rock ballad style of self-proclamation. It had a very standard chorus, um, but had great synth work in its actual uh, verses. Which it, is a pattern we'll see throughout the rest of the record. Self-proclaiming in its standard, in all of its standard no, 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 no. glory. It had standard <laughs> chords, but it was one of those, hey, look at me, I'm awesome, and you can't hold me down. I'm standard and I know it. Mediocre and I show it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, okay. The chorus music and the chorus lyrics were very mediocre. Yeah. The verse music, and this became a theme, uh, had some synth work involved in it, and was, was, I won't say exemplary, but definitely a step above the rest. A step above what you would normally expect with new metal. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually about, I would agree with that. I mean, that, that was the most glaring thing as of this track, which tended to be a bit of a, bit of a running theme throughout the uh, entire album. That the choruses, most of the choruses, were pretty dull. But the verses showed the most elements of creativity. And I was uh, kind of impressed with that. It's just kind of a shame that uh, they cut away so quickly. You know, the chorus just steps in there and expects you to be all all rallied by their loud loudness. And I just didn't feel it. I wanted more of what they had to show in the verses. And it, that, that actually led into Where Did the Angels Go, track three. It had the same sort of issue where we talk, uh, we've talked a lot about A to B, B to A transitions. And while the transitions weren't jarring and terrible, it was just going from a great idea to a mediocre idea and back and forth. Yeah, my biggest problem with Where Did the Angels Go is it kind of flip-flopped. It was more noticeable that it was kind of going through these two phases. Whereas the song before, Still Swinging, you could hear it, but overall it was still an okay song. And Where Did the Angels Go? It was very flip-flop. It went from harsh, heavy, new metal riffs to this kind of mellow but repetitive chorus. And it was very... It was it stood out more than the tre- previous track. It had more breakdowns. Uh, it had a very fascinating breakdown, uh, Where Did the Angels Go? Um, yes. But uh, even a more... <laughs> it seemed to exaggerate both of the same elements. Uh, more interesting breakdowns, more interesting choruses, but even more longer, uh, boring choruses. And I have to say that this song actually, this song and the next song, were probably the most reminiscent of Papa Roach's original material. Older stuff, yeah. Uh, much more like 
Infest as opposed to uh, the more recent albums they've done. Metamorphosis was uh, one of them. Because Silence is the Enemy, track four, had almost weird, but great heavy music that dropped almost completely out into a very slow, kind of mellow sound and built back up again. This is where the transition started to become much better. Uh, the chorus was a lot better, still standardized, but a lot better. Not not quite the same chord, chord, chord A, chord, chord, chord B of the guitar work, just, just playing the same thing and every four seconds switching it up to the next level of chords and switching it up and then switching it down. I mean, it, that became boring. This was a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. If, if I, if I uh, messed up my words before there, I, I meant to say uh, the verses themselves are, are what... It really has the most interesting quality in it. But at least in Silence of the Enemy, it was more mixed. A lot more mixed, a little bit more blended. I, uh, I, at this point, I was kind of ambiguous on, on where the album was going. Uh, but when it comes to intros, that's really when it sets the stage. And I think that it was Before I Die, a fifth track, that's where we really started to get an intro that actually related with the verse. This song kind of really pulled me in. I mean, I had li- I'd liked... What I'd heard before, but nothing had really like gotten me. They were all kind of like John said, standard. They had interesting qualities, but they weren't. They were they were good. They were just good. But but before I die, I had very beautiful lyrics and this enveloping tone, and I just I, I really really liked before I die. I just thought it was beautifully made. Still had that repetition that you were noticing in the other tracks, but I just felt like there were so many other good qualities to it that I was able to forgive it in this song. This more one, so. This one also included uh, a lot more of the uh, of uh, a synth tone. And this is where the drums became a driving force in the album. The guitar work seems to have gone downhill, and the guitar work is very standard, especially when uh, you have the backup main bass all working together. It They, they get muddled. They get... Uh, Tone, they, they, they get just jumbled up but your drums your drums are really driving through in this album and especially in these well no not even especially in these tracks in all the tracks the drums and the synth tones and synth work that they're throwing in there is the driving force of this music it was very strong yeah. in this album it was very well mixed and produced those parts especially stood out um, and we started to really notice the polarizing differences, I think, in in track six and on. Wish, Wish You Never Met Me had this kind of awesome blend of the verse and chorus. It wasn't as jarringly different most, as the others. The most blended so far. Like, yeah. It started it with was, Silence as the Enemy, where I was just like, all right, this is a little bit more, uh, this is a little bit more uh, blended, but um, it really, really shined through in, in, in Wish, you, Wish You Never Met Me. Uh, I, I probably was most impressed by that song on on this album. And the lyrics to that that song were just so powerful and and like it definitely the best lyrics we had had heard so far up until that point. I'm gonna say it's probably it's got the best lyrics on the album. It really it was it was the most emotional of the songs so far, and all the songs, the music of the songs, as opposed to the actual vocals and lyrics, the music has been very energetic, very emotional, but really divorced from what message they were trying to say. Wish You Never Met Me really married the two. And you, you, you lost the repetitiveness. And, okay, everything did repeat. And that's something we do have to point out there. Everything did repeat. The tones did repeat. Yep. The guitar work, the drum work did repeat. But we did not have the same 
repetitive 30-second chorus that was just boring by the end of it, where they do the chorus three, four times. No, they tried to mix it up. They tried to change it and reimagine it, and they did a great job. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, one of the... The main thing was the fact they dropped the, the glaring barrier between the verse and the chorus. They built it up. They slowly built it up, and... This is where I, I, you know, it's kind of a mixed blessing is that I like the fact that they built it up, but they, only, they stayed there. It was a plateau, and they did repeat, as John said, they repeated several times, and uh, I was waiting for some kind of interlude. My only criti- critique of the song really was that it, it wasn't breathing very much. It didn't have this, uh, this, this air to it, like they were actually, you know, letting you feel the climactic nature of it. It was just total climax. You know, how, how much can something be climactic if it lasts for three minutes? Straight. A little disappointing. And so was the next track, Give Me Back My Life. It was... It had a great building intro. That I did enjoy. I thought that the the synth accent on this song kept it from being as repetitive as the earlier tracks. It still wasn't wasn't a great song, but there was this kind of underlying synth throughout the whole song that kind of at least distracted you from the repetitive guitar work in this one. Well, once again, yeah, it still had too much chorus. Too many repetitions of the same word over and over and over again. Uh, though the lyrics were definitely a step above the earlier tracks, and it did it, it had one of the stronger drum beats and drum buildups in it, um, which for me that's what I go to when I go to new metal. I'm I'm looking for uh, a heavy, intricate drum work, which is this track really delivered on. It had probably the best on the album. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And then breathe you in. Yeah. Standard and boring. This song was just very makeshift, very slapdash kind of. We just want to put a standard song and just. It wasn't even like. I mean, it wasn't even bad per se. It just was nothing great. Yeah. It loud, 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 loud. That's all, all I was getting. From yeah, it was just one saw block of noise. This probably the the worst follow up you know you could possibly have to uh, you know six and seven, which uh, well, probably I hesitate to say maybe the high point of the album. I mean, at least wish you never met me was the high point of the album, and seven didn't necessarily ruin it. It kept the high energy nature going, but yeah. energy does not, and it should not always equal loud. I was very just dis- dismayed by the. The perpetual loudness that I was hearing by this point. There was no tone down. I, I, I was disappointed on, on, on a song basis as well as an album basis. No breath, no anything. I mean, with Breathe You In, I just feel like. Look, I don't feel like that uh, uh, high energy and loud don't o- o- won't always go together. Because you can have high energy and be loud the whole song, but there's got to be some kind of intricacy to it to make it at least stand out. This was just block of noise. It was. This is where the idea was that everybody must play. And yeah, must. At once. Everybody was just playing a, a beat on every instrument. Yeah. There, there was no deviance from this formula. There was, there was nothing that really made it anything other than generic. In retrospect, just actually, yeah, noise. In retrospect, this 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 track was the culmination of my issue with all the previous choruses, because it did it on a whole song basis. Like I wasn't even impressed with the verse here. It just was so static. You know, every every little boring element from every chorus 
in each song so far just culminated in this song, and they just decided to spend an entire song on it. And to be honest, uh, it really put the last half of the album in perspective for me. I um, I was not impressed by many of the following tracks. Kind of divided the album. Uh, I have to disagree. Uh, yeah. I I'm, really I'm... the second half of the album I thought was still fairly strong. Just the the the, the best songs are definitely in the middle. But like I mean, the song "Leader of Leader of the Broken Hearts" was pretty, had well sung lyrics. Like, I mean, it, but it was a lot of the same. I will agree with that. There was. Mm, I'm gonna argue that point. I felt like their verses were once again starting to stand out. Uh, they seemed to have realized that simple is better, and they <laughs> were they were not just mashing every noise together. What I meant by a lot of the same is a lot of the same in the rest of the album. Not with the song before. I mean, it was the same pattern after this. There were pretty songs that were pretty. There were heavy songs that were heavy. You know, there were courses that were repetitive. Like, the rest of the album came... Pretty much repeated the first half of the album. Just different order. You know, the song still kind of stood out, but just there was still that standard formula that more or less Papa Roach is known for. There is some variation in some of their songs, like Lifeline, one of their older singles, had fantastic guitar work. But... In this album, there's definitely this pattern of repetitive, repetitive choruses, and Leader of the Broken Hearts was no different for that. You know, I guess I'd give that credit also to uh, Not That Beautiful. It was really the song after Not That Beautiful that I uh, took my stance with. But Not That Beautiful itself, uh, kind of strong. You know, it, it, did, it, had, it had some more points going for it, but uh, the thing I could not get out of my head the entire time was that it sounded pretty dated. It really did sound like something that would have come out of the early 2000s, which, you know, granted, according with what you just said, Papa Roach never really advanced beyond that. That's when they're going to Papa Roach, yeah. they're going for this. It's yeah. just, uh, it really hit me by this time. You know, I, we like to think that the past uh, 10 years are not going to sound dated to us yet because, you know, all this stuff, you usually don't notice it for another 20 years until things become classic. But I really think it's starting to show, to be honest, because as the alternative scene becomes a lot more prevalent in modern culture, uh, actually becoming popified in many ways, uh, I just don't think there's as much of an audience for this right now, except for in the nostalgia world. I'd agree that there's not much of an audience for it if the internet didn't exist. But with the internet in existence... You cannot erase the internet. Right. With the internet in existence... You can find an audience for almost anything. And I feel like Papa Roach's popularity... I mean, Papa Roach has always had a very conflicted popularity. A lot of people didn't like them when they first came out, thought they were overrated, they weren't very good. But they they came into their own within a couple of albums, but they had to find their kind of their audience, their niche. And I mean, as they went on, uh, uh, the lead singer kind of found his place between rapping and singing that was comfortable and his range. And he he lost his place in this album then. Well, the, because well, Walking Dead, track eleven, once again, softer guitars paired with a beating drum, in verse, very good. Chorus once again, very forgettable. Lyrics once again, very forgettable. Yeah. And track twelve won't let up. The only true old school rap sound yeah. on the album. Had a strong synth sound with uh, powerful. Emotional lyrics, and I don't know why I pronounce it that way. Very powerful emotional lyrics, and it just—it it definitely felt like an older Papa Roach song. But I also think, with in regards to his voice, before we we run straight through onto the end of the album, 
we had mentioned podcasts earlier, I don't even remember how far back, that he was going for surgery. As far as I know, the surgery was a success and he will be back on the road. Um, but clearly, screaming as much as he has, has taken yeah. his toll on his voice. There are artists who can scream from morning till night and not damage their voice because they do it a certain way. But as far as I understand... Steve Tyler. <laughs> as, far as, example. I, as far as I understand, Jacoby Shaddix didn't have that classically trained voice, so he didn't... He didn't know how to scream without damaging himself, and I think it finally caught up with him. But I'm, I'm not saying that is even a detractor, the fact that he doesn't seem to hit his same range. That, I'm okay with. No, yeah, me too, but it's definitely noticeable in this album. It's, it's noticeable, because his range has seemed to have shrunk down quite a bit. But his, yes. his voice is actually a lot clearer on this album than his, his older stuff. His singing on this album was better than I think it's been... In many albums before, because just I don't think he was stronger. I don't think he was trying to tire his voice the same way he used to. That's the to. thing. Well, uh, you know, that could be work for it. At least he knows to work within his his boundaries at this moment, and that, yeah. that's uh, that's an important thing and, rather than overstepping himself. And I think proof of that is, I'm not I'm not in love with artists who scream. I mean, I know there's an audience for it. I but when screaming is in a song for accenting for emotion. Oh, perfect. And in this album, I think he did it perfectly. I think where the sections where he screamed, it wasn't overdone. It was. No, I wouldn't even, it was clearly, I wouldn't even called it screaming. It was just projecting at this high volume to get this projecting. emotion across. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I'm going to fault him for his lack of rap because that was something he was great at. Okay, interesting point. You mentioned the rap now because. I told you, I'm already not necessarily a fan of uh, 11, 12, uh, Walking Dead, or Won't Let Up. And in Won't Let Up, surprisingly enough, the rap, as much as I noticed it, and as much as I could lend some points to its distinctiveness in the album, the music itself surrounding that rap was exactly the same as many of the tracks on this album. So I really didn't feel that it, it had as much distinctive weight as it could have if they had perhaps changed up the music around his voice. My, my biggest problem, and I think Steve has a point here, is with the rapping on 12, is when we think of Papa Roach and rapping, we think of Last Resort. The reason Last Resort was so powerful is because it's silence except his voice, cut my life into pieces, and then this is my last resort, and then heavy drums, heavy guitar, silence, singing, and then heavy drums, heavy guitar. It accented it. They bracketed his singing with the noise and it made yeah. it stand out so much more in that song whereas in this the music throughout it was just it wasn't that original it was just kind of it was an okay Papa Roach song you know it wasn't terrible by any means but yeah. it definitely the, the 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 rapping was good but not as good as it could have been I think with it the rest was, of the song it, it was a shrug off because usually when you expect when you get that you know you get somebody rapping in, in an album that has lacked rap it should it should you know stand out be accented yeah but it didn't, and that, that tells me they did really they really did something wrong with music. And our last track, as far as I remember, um, I know you two definitely enjoyed this more than I did because I didn't even bother writing anything down for this track. So, I I was already halfway through this song. I was done with. I, I loved tried, it. I tried to take it for what I, it was. As far as uh, I remember, was a beautiful, slow kind of finite, final-sounding song. It was a great closing track, I feel. I liked that they had toned it down. They had toned down their whole their whole volume. Like, everything just stepped back a notch that I hadn't heard since the intro Engage. Now, granted, I'm not going to say that Engage, like, related to everything else, 
But, you know, it, it needed something. There, it, you, they really needed to breathe on this album. And I'm really glad they did that in the final track. It's Me just, too. It's too late. And that's why I understand what John is saying. I think it's too late to save it at that point. It was their way of saying, uh, goodbye, I don't know. But it's like they just got tired. <laughs> it's like that's the effect of it all, you know. I disagree. I think it was kind of a coming to terms song and a kind of kind of wrapping uh, wrapping up. I I thought it was a strong closing track, and I liked the intro, even though no, it was it very wasn't remote. a strong closing track. Because if you're talking well, about intensity, it was the exact opposite. Uh, of not a strong closing track. I thought it was a well placed closing track, an adequate position for it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I was. At this point, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but I was already done with this album. I just had, ever since my high of track six, seven was let down, uh, I, it really... You the, cannot scream in my face for, you know, 40 minutes or so, and then say, oh, we care. <laughs> yeah, You can't do that. I'm already, I'm already turned off. I'm already walking. But out that's the door. not true because they had slower songs throughout the album. Before yeah. I Die was slower. I didn't say slow. I didn't say the, the, about, fat, about, about speed at all. I, I'm mentioning volume, oh. pure volume. All right. Yeah, it was even, loud. It was it was Papa Roach loud. It was. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, it's new metal. I, I, but I will admit, it lacked dynamics. I will this admit though, their, their past albums have had more, have had better positioning and more variety. I mean, think about Love. Uh, uh, um, Love Hate Tragedy. That album, I mean, it was just, it was full variety. They went all over the place with that album. And it was when they first broke that kind of mold of just rap rock, you know, because Infest was very heavy rap rock. Yeah. And uh, it was more interesting. While I personally did not really find that album to be too tasteful, uh, to my liking, uh, it was a better experimental album or a better variety album it gave you something different the song sounded different the song sounded distinct there's a uh, severe lack of distinction between tracks in this yeah choruses are almost verbatim musically the same yeah they they really are and um i'm glad you mentioned that because when it comes to distinctiveness i think it, it it matters a lot with me that there's something I'm curious about some element of the music that that you can that stands latch on out to. so much, yeah, that I can latch on yeah. to, or, or even if I don't latch on to it, just something that that gets me interested, that gets me curious enough to go back. And I don't see that here in this album. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> it's it's alright. I mean, actually, really mad to be, but it's his pick. But I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, he, no, I was. Yeah, I, hey, I apologized last week. <laughs> sure, that's exactly why I'm not sorry. No, but and seriously, I've heard, I've heard the thing—the thing, thing about me is, yes, I need something that, to make me curious. But just the same, I need something to keep me interested. I mean, this was definitely not Pop Roach's strongest work. I still think that their earlier albums were some of their best work. But this album, compared to, if we're gonna just stay within Pop Roach as a Pop Roach fan, for me personally. Comparing this to Metamorphosis, which I believe was two albums ago, Metamorphosis was this was exactly what the title suggested. Like they had every song on it had this kind of different emotional attachment, and it was original. And you know the courses weren't very repetitive. I mean, I played Lifeline for you, which had that continuous up and down guitar riff. Like it was it was definitely a lot more interesting than this record. However, from a production standpoint, this record his voices never sounded better because he stuck within his ranges. The synth work was beautiful 
absolutely fantastic. And the drummer has never sounded better. And I know these guys are still the same guys since day one. But the drummer has never sounded better as he has in this record. He was fantastic. And was the glue that held this record together, okay, too. He was good. He was good. Fantastic, though. That, that For new metal? Fanta- I'm no, no. Fantastic Even to for me new metal. is, is, yeah. is Jay Lane, you know, is fantastic. The, these are... This was good. No, he was this really was good. He was really good. But I wouldn't rate him okay. higher than good. This was some of the best drum work that you're going to get. But that From was Papa the Papa only Papa. thing. Even while he's maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe I'd appreciate the drum work more if there was other stuff surrounding it, or if it was accented and highlighted more. Again, breathing. If the album had some more space in it, I might have noticed the drum more. If maybe if they had little drum interludes, but they never had any more than like a five section section. Yeah, five second interlude as they went from like a verse to chorus seems, or chorus to breakdown. Seems getting, getting really heated. Okay, so yes, because <laughs> fantastic is simply not a word I can give to this. I'll take a step back. Clearly, it's no Josh Freeze, but. He is, he is... No, no, Jay Lane. Jay Lane. Josh Freeze is a fantastic drummer. <laughs> All right, fine. He is. He is a fantastic drummer. Queens of the Stone Age. Yes, I know. Okay. I love Queens of the Stone Age. So, I mean, Queens of the Stone Age has great drum work. So, yes, I will take it a step back. He's not fantastic. He was fantastic for this album, though. He was the standout superstar on this album, was the drummer. Oh, God, no. 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 I have to refute that. That's like saying... Oh my god, that's like saying you, you you took a test and you got an 80, but since you're the highest in the class, you're the standout character. He is yeah. still not that good. That's a good comparison. compared to other things. That's like everybody else, the vocals were solid while the lyrics were lacking. The drums were good. That was that's the only redeeming qualities. Everything else was just so lackluster. It's so genuine. I'd agree so wholeheartedly. Boring. The bass and guitar work was completely boring. But you can't call record. him fantastic, even in respect of this He was album. good. Okay. You made your point. <laughs> All right. We, 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 we took that down a notch. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't know. I think we... We're about said all we can say on this. Not that anyone has any more points. Yeah. I, mean, I, I really can sum it up as loud, louder, and louder still. Until loudest. it's dropped off Loud, at the, the loudest. Well, loudest is, is like is like this 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 penultimate or ultimate quality that you wouldn't. De- it's like white noise. Wait, wait, wait! I thought I thought Matt's word was penultimate. No, it's mine now. Oh, okay. I took it. I bought it from the last you could, week. You could get well because it, it it applies to his rating system, so <laughs> or so it seems. So you get to steal a word from Steve. We're gonna yeah. buy things. Off, oh, you buy get, rating qualities off. You get avant garde. All right, Matt. Okay. Later, later, now, if only I knew where to use it. Yeah. Later on, I'll buy some emotions from you. Okay. Uh, they don't come cheap, though. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> just summing up this album. If you like Papa Roach, you will like this album. Um, it's especially early. Especially early. It's definitely better than I feel for me anyway. Personally, I liked it better than some of the mediocre crap that we'd listened to. Not mediocre crap. Mediocre music that we'd listened to in the recent weeks. You know, I would definitely listen to this again. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, is it revolutionizing new metal? No. Nobody's really revolutionized new metal in, in a long time that I can think of. They've kind of. Bands that might have revolutionized new metal have kind of branched off into other things at this point. Or broken up. I, I also think that uh, this, in sound alone, alright, this is new metal, but by structure, this is barely new metal. This, this is a very. Like, metal implies a little bit of, uh, a little bit of progression in it, you know? Some unexpected qualities. I, I feel like with a li- with every bit of metal, there's a little bit of prog, and I don't see that here. This is just a B. 
don't know that I agree. That, I don't. Again. I don't know that I agree that with every little bit of, bit of metal, there's a little bit of prog. Um, I don't know that I agree. We should have given you that word, Matt. Prog. Yeah, probably. Um, like I don't know that I could find prog in ACDC. I don't know that I could find uh, because ACDC is arena rock to me. Yeah, it's more so. ACDC is not really new metal. No, way. no, they were they were metal. Or, if I throw around okay. if I throw around the word Motorhead. prog a lot, if I, you throw around the word metal a lot, I do. But but new metal, I'm using it purely in genre alone. They that's where they fit more or less. But yeah, but okay, like Corn is someone I'd call new metal. But at least they have some variety to them. Yeah, but even them, I have they, trouble. They take turns that are. You know, but unpredictable Korn's, at but times. But new metal, like System of a Down, is new metal. They're barely new metal, like they're because their music branches into so many other things, and they work in so much other yeah, stuff. I'm just telling you, be careful with your word. <laughs> you know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would shudder to can compare this album to anything by like System of a Down. No, of course not. There's no comparison. I, I think there's even a little bit of hardcore in this. Actually, is what I'd throw in for this uh, for Papa Roach. Or post hardcore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's screaming enough or, or heavy giving, enough. To no, I'm giving hardcore. Steve a list of words he's not allowed to say he, anymore. He really does not like my genreification. I think we should go back to another genreification discussion, but not this week. Oh God, um, so much more to say about that. <laughs> anyway, we actually and, sit down and define our own our own idea of of what each genre is. The problem with genres is. They're starting to make up so many different genres that it's like... Look, we don't need to be the end-all. Help-be-all, yeah. yeah. No, there's, there's another word. Well, there is, there is this neo-post-apocalyptic Japan arena rock up. that I listen to. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> In closing, about this album, uh, to wrap it up, for a Papa Roach album, it wasn't my favorite, but it was definitely had its high points and its low points. I I did enjoy it. I would listen to it, listen to it again. Um, honestly, if the choruses had been better, if they hadn't been so repetitive, I probably could have rated it a four, but because that's just such a letdown for me, I just, my biggest problem with giving this a flat out three is because it's not average. There are parts in it that push it above, no doubt, push it above the script. There are things that interest me and that, that attracted me to it. So for me, it, I'd safely, I would definitely say it's a solid three five. You know, it's it's a little better than okay. You know, don't be afraid to use decimals. Don't be afraid. That's a three point. No, no. I, well, well, it's a kind of rounded. You know, if we had a ten system, then it then it would be like a like a what you call it a seven. Yeah, but we know. don't have that system. We have a one to five. <laughs> oh my god! I was berating Steve earlier on this too. Decimals. I like my decimals. Oh, anyway, I, anyway, I would give it a solid three point five. I like it. I'd listen to it again. And and that's kind of it. I agree wholeheartedly. This is a Papa Roach album. If you're looking for Papa Roach, you'll enjoy it. You're gonna go back to Infest. It's just it's just how it is because this I, I can compare it to the same formulas they've had for years. They have not changed. They have not improved anywhere significantly. They haven't really you know suffered anywhere significantly it's still clean it's still clear it's still new metal regardless of what anybody else will say this is it's a three five it's a little bit better than average but not worth pushing on anybody else ironically enough i agree wholeheartedly as well (laughs) um 
yeah, I know there's still an audience for this. As much as I say that it's dated, there is definitely still an audience for Papa Roach, and all the people who grew up with that kind of music are going to go back to it. Um, chorus is a big, big issue with me, because there's supposed to be emphasis on the chorus. You're supposed to be immersed in the chorus, want to sing it over again and jump to it and sing along to it. I didn't get any of that. I got a lot from all the stuff surrounding it, but not that. They just they just totally skimped on their climaxes, and that's why uh, that's why I you know I it might actually be a four for me too I suppose if it had good choruses, uh, but as far as the rest goes, um, that's got to drag it down. How far down it drags? I'll agree, three five. So three five across the board for Papa Roach. So if you uh, in closing, if you're a fan of Papa Roach, check it out. Otherwise, might want to skip this one. Um, moving on with the conversation of Papa Roach and how I'm not ashamed to admit that there are a lot of varieties of different kinds of bad music that I listen to, we thought we might talk a little bit today about guilty pleasures in music. I mean, you can have guilty pleasures in anything, but music specifically, um, bands that you would listen to on your iPod, low, so no one else can hear it. Low? Low? Someone mentioned low? Low? The band Low from Duluth, Minnesota? Really? Low? Oh, never mind. God. Never mind, never mind. No, I was thinking of this because of our discussion earlier where we were making fun of Steve to sing along with what I consider one of the worst songs ever created. Um, not that it doesn't have its place. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know what? I feel kind of bad that I gave it to Steve, but I know it's growing on him as much as he would like to not admit that. And I was thinking, you know, I still know almost the entire... Blue album by Eiffel 65. And I know that is is one of it's some of the worst music to come out of the 90s. It was it was it was right above the early 90s standard fare of Ace of Base, Real McCoy and all those crappy dance bands. This was kind of like the next level where they kind of left dance behind a little bit and went more towards techno, but it was still as repetitive as those not great dance bands. You don't really know Eiffel 65, because that's not even true. They're not that repetitive. Some of their really? music is very inventive. Well, I'm basing, it just... on, I'm basing it on the one song that was popular that was very repetitive. Yeah, and I'm basing it on the other parts of the album that right. I do, in fact, know and can still sing along to, much to my uh, shame. Um, but, like, everybody's got that sort of band, that sort of music, where, you honestly, you're not proud to know it. And... Steve will argue that if you're willing to defend a song... Don't tell me what I'm going to say. Don't, this don't, is what you don't, said. Don't even no, no. tell me what I'm going to this say. This is what Steve said earlier. But if he's I'm, willing to defend his like of this music, he says he's not embarrassed. Well, but I, that's not true. I'll defend my liking Eiffel 65. Don't, because don't, it's don't catchy. tell me what I'm going to say. <laughs> Alright, fine. Well, well, you he, give me an example. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I said that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright, th- th- this is not even... I can't even use the word devil's advocate for this one. I, 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 I'm going to be a total douchebag here and make the argument that there are, if you can defend it, if you can, there are no such thing as guilty pleasures. You obviously like it for a reason. Why not embrace it? Why not look deep down inside and figure out why you like it? If you really can't come up with anything, fine. I guess you could use the term guilty pleasure. But when I think back to most of... Uh, most of the singles, even the you know, the pop hits, the things that I've liked in the past, um, you know, even the ones that uh, might not necessarily be popularly uh, technical or anything like that, they've got other qualities going for them. Crazy other qualities going for them. Uh, 
technicality is not the only system by rating. You said that before, Matt. So, the way I figure it, just analyze it. What do you have to say for it? Do you have anything to say for your guilty pleasures? I bet I could argue your own guilty pleasure for you. Well, I... <laughs> but not for me. <laughs> Necessarily. See, okay, using Eiffel 65 as an example, um, I just... Honestly, I remember getting into that album because it was just a CD I had. I don't even know where I got it from. Under the rug or so Yeah, much. something random. Something and dog, I was, I was, it was in high school. I was young. I was, I was starting to experiment. Um, uh, and I was just, he was I, discovering himself. I was just listening to it, and they have one song that's actually about PlayStation. And I was a huge video gamer, and I still am. And I have to say, it it hooked me, and I was like, oh wow, well, this this is easy to sing along to, and has a very easy beat that I could just bounce my head to. That's my argument for listening to it. Easy beat you can bounce your head to. All right, all right. I'd have to hear this. I, I the reason I think guilty pleasures are just that guilty pleasures, and they, that they belong in that categorization is, so I like Katy Perry. There, I said it. I like her music. I don't know why though. It's obviously catchy, but there, I don't know. There why are I like cases it. of well. Let's put it this way. I I understand that. Because there's definitely old uh, songs, like like 80s pop songs, that I didn't know why I liked it necessarily. And then later on, you know, when you become a little bit more self-critical, you figure out why you liked it. Or you actually don't like it anymore. <laughs> That's the other thing that can happen. Sometimes you actually look back or, and you're like, wow, that, songs, was, that was totally a poor choice on my part. Or songs that I know that are absolutely horrible, yet I enjoy them. And, and I know that other people enjoy them as well. Like, We Built This City by Starship. Was rated one of the worst songs ever created. <laughs> but yet, it's catchy. I love it. I always sing along to it. You know. But okay, I got a couple of others. Okay, I listen to a lot of bad music now. I'm thinking about it because, like, Gin and Juice was just a terrible song. Or, or, um, oh, what's the other one? Let's talk about Whoop. There it is. Oh, dude. Oh, I'm so... Or... Uh, nobody... Everybody okay, knows oh, the seriously. words, and nobody likes that song, but they sing but along when it comes make on. the argument that it's still distinctive, it's still memorable? I mean, you know, there are plenty of other people that, that put their heart and souls into creating something that no one's going to remember two seconds later. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's the breaks. That is the breaks of the music industry. You come up with something that is, is going to, to grab people. Not to say anything, but the quality of it. Well, that's what sometimes Chum- this is what it comes down to. Well, that was Chumbawamba's downfall. Like, they were huge overseas, and they're still huge overseas. But here, they released <laughs> Tom Tom Bang. It was massive. That sounds like a really great book. That was Chumbawamba's downfall. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to read that. And then they were gone. Like they had no other singles that got anywhere near as popular as Tom Tom Bang. But overseas, they're still a huge band. They're really big in Germany. Not that that's saying much, because so is David Hasselhoff. Our silliest conversation yet. <laughs> Probably. Um, well, how about, here, here's a uh, here's a good one. How about the whole Rick Roll thing? I mean, everybody gets him down. Yeah, but but Rick Astley was popular in the '80s and had other singles, but he's just not now known for any of them. Yeah, that Re- is true. Repopularized. He was yeah, really popular. The, the joke that surrounds him is that it was is that it was drab and and sort of 
you know, very, almost like the easy listening music of the 80s. You know, something you'd expect to be on Life Light FM if it existed. Did it exist back then? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. But, you know, it's, it's not really totally out there, but does have this really, really weird defining quality to it. It is, it's kind of catchy. And, well, also, and think it about also the has voice. A, You've got this pretty massive drum, drum synth. Massive, deep voice coming out of this skinny white guy. And it's just this distinctive voice. Like you see how that. big his jacket is on him. That too. I mean, that that would fit me. That that guy is like four two and weighs about yeah. sixty five. But pounds. yet he's more popular now than he's ever been because of the internet and internet culture. And you have to hear the dubbed version where they actually were playing "Smells Like Teen Spirit" Under. with his lyrics. It, it was it, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Because it works really well. Well, no, it's the same exact beat. Well, because it proves that pop. Music beats haven't really changed because as much as Nirvana was grunge, Smells Like Teen Spirit was a pop rock song. It was, you know, just this this standard formula for that song, you know, and the lyrics were very indecipherable, but easy to mumble along to. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to I'm going to count Nirvana as one of my guilty pleasures. There are a couple of Nirvana songs because they're one of the most overrated bands of all time. They really are. The, he had almost no talent. Mm, that's pushing it a little far. Okay, yeah. For music. For music. You're walking it's, on dangerous territory. No, here, I man. feel like he's like, he's like, I would equate him with Jim Morrison, who I consider one of the best poets to ever come across our world. Oh, yeah, not a great singer. Not just a bad singer. He had no musical talent outside of writing lyrics. See, this is the strangest thing, though. This is why it does not always come down to technicality or even uh, talent, to be honest, in a particular regard. It comes down to the finished product. His voice matched perfectly with the with Raymond Zarek's keyboard. It, it was just... It, it was the sound unlike anything that had ever been developed before in the history of music. It, it, was, it was the dawn of that psychedelic rock. Like, and same with Nirvana and this kind of grungy kind of I don't give a damn about anybody music that, that grunge was. Yeah. He had the emotion. It may not have had the best singing voice or wrote the best lyrics, but when he sang some of those songs, you felt how he just, how melancholy he felt. And the backbeat drums that Dave Grohl laid down for all of those tracks. I mean, it was some great drumming for that style of music, especially. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a huge Nirvana fan either. In fact, my favorite grunge band is Alice in Chains, who I thought, talent-wise, way better than Nirvana ever was. But Nirvana broke big because they were younger, and they hit the right audience at the right time. Because sometimes it has nothing to do with even talent. It's sometimes just timing. Yeah. It's actually, just absolutely timing. Good point. I'm not denying that the Beatles are, are a great band. They are. But they also had fantastic timing. They came to America with these very pop, very catchy songs... And they just caught like wildfire. I'm no particular fan of the Sex Pistols. Regardless, their timing was pretty perfect. Exactly. Uh, I, I think their album never would have done as well. Like, if they came out today, wow, they would have been such a joke. And even Blink-182, who I love. I love them as a band. They got big because they came out right on, you know, the cusp of this, this generation who was looking for... You for say pop that, punk music that well, it didn't take itself that seriously. You could, say, you could this, say there is a talent, to be honest, in time, in knowing when to release, uh, you know, a particular type of music. And uh, other examples of artists that have done that in recent years: the Spice Girls. 
Yeah. Backstreet Boys. Oh, totally. All like, of those bands. Just, like, see, this is why I, I, I would never call any of those uh, guilty pleasures. Because the, these are artists who really banked off a, off an existing um, trend. I think I think uh, the Spice Girls really banked off of New Wave. They came out as pop, but they banked off of New Wave. I, I think wanna... there's a lot of similarities between Spice Girls and Blondie in that regard. I, w- I, w- I want to go through your musical library... And just be, and just find that one song by the Backstreet Boys, which I'm goes sure against I, everything you <laughs> say you enjoy in music. They really. Well, do. I already told you that I have. Uh, I don't know about nineties. Nineties pop was was not really my thing, but eighties pop was definitely a thing of mine because I've already said this before many times in the podcast. I think it, there was a distinctive quality there because of the level of uh, of synth technology at the time. Um, that it, that was where technology was at. Therefore, it's the only time in which that kind of pop would ever exist, right? Well, yeah, I mean, but I've always liked 80s pop, and I've never... And I, honestly, though, with the invention of the internet, though, it's made a lot of guilty pleasures not as much guilty pleasures anymore. Like, nobody's embarrassed anymore to say they like Never Gonna Give You Up. Because it's just so huge everywhere now. Mm, of course. You Nobody know? was ever that's embarrassed true. Sometimes that it is just, that's, that's it is just the sensation like, of what, for me, something like, spreading to something else. There's this movie called Music and Lyrics um, that Hugh Grant was in with Drew Barrymore. And the, the, the opening of the movie is this cheesy 80s video that Hugh Grant's band did. And it's just, it's got all the tropes of a cheesy 80s video and a cheesy 80s song with the keyboardist and the black and white clothes, the vest, the big hair. I like that stuff. That, oh, that was that one that was like an, uh, a Poison album, uh, a Poison video, right? No, no. It was it was like a, a, a mix of Flock of Seagulls and like oh, all the 80s, okay. even 80s if, pop. Even if some of the uh, the contribution or the, the merit of it boils down to the performance quality, you know, that that's sometimes what makes a band. I mean, I know that's what makes half like half of the arena rock catalog is performance. Oh yeah, go see ACDC and then say that they're not good because it's impossible. The, the band knows how to put on a show, and they've become I one of my favorite. Who's seen Bon Jovi four times and loves I've it? Seen them twice. Time. Oh god, <laughs> I just don't get Bon Jovi. It's a personal problem. <laughs> I don't get him. I don't. You'd be my music. friend's hero right now, Matt. <laughs> Well, I know, but I'll admit, I've seen Bon Jovi three times, and by the third time I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done. Like, halfway through the show. <laughs> but <laughs> but ACDC, when I saw them live, I mean, Angus Young, guys like 100 years old, played an 11-minute guitar solo. Yeah. And it was insane. And half but, of it was on his back. And, just and you, walking in circles on the floor. I'm going to say yeah. the same thing about Aerosmith, about Kiss. I mean, these are bands that really have made the They arena. made a career out of performing. It's, it's not yeah. their albums. It's and their it's just, shows. There's a fine line. Because then there's also moments where I'm, I, I actually get embarrassed by the band and I, I find it merely to be a gimmick. And that I, I'm not... If I'm not impressed by the performance, first of all, then I, it's hard for me to get impressed by the music. Especially if I'm not even impressed with the music to begin with. Uh, it, Kiss probably falls under that category. I know we brought up Kiss uh, a couple times before. Um, well, they, if, in my opinion, they exemplarize, exempl, exemp, something like that. Exemplify. Exemplify <laughs> the uh, rock band. The corporate rock band, yeah, absolutely. They've made a career out of merchandising oh, yeah. and out of out of performance. I yeah. can't. You can't. They've had eighteen anyone. reunion tours. Like you can't argue. They have action yeah. figure lines. They had a movie. Yeah. They fought Spawn. Yeah, I mean they've got some a lot. They got a lot of stuff going. Yeah, they, um, they they've done a lot. But, but at the same time, while the, we're talking about these bands that are just so great in performance, 
while their albums are a little lackluster. I mean, I've seen The Who in concert. It's the same thing. I mean, I'm talking about one of the greatest bands I've ever heard. And then in concert, it only got better. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that there are some bands that lend to a live performance. Not that their original work is bad, but that the live performance is just... They they thrive on the live performance. Like, I've seen Cher for the Dark Lord several times now. And on CD, he's a fun nerdcore rapper. You know, he got great lyrics and a great backbeat. But live, he kind of becomes this larger-than-life character. And he's cocky. And he walks around the stage. And he cracks jokes. And it's so much more fun... Live and in the moment. Right. Not just well, live. Just, 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 just to backtrack a minute here, uh, uh, you guys have been totally proving my point for the last ten minutes. If you like something enough, it's not a guilty pleasure if you can defend it. And we've been defending it. Uh, no, we're, I we're can't. defending a lot of things I right really now. can't defend well Eiffel 65. I can't uh, defend I, Katy Perry I, at all. I, I'm not familiar with... Uh, oh, Katy Perry, you, people still admit she has a good voice. People she still she can it. sing, sure, but the songs, like, I like them, but I have no idea why. I guess because they're catchy, but what does catchy mean? Catchy can mean anything. Catchy is a very uh, vague term. I, yeah. I know I'm going to look. So that's why I think it's a guilty picture. and or and or Britney Spears or something like that. Albums. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're welcome to. It's a brown. I know I'm going to find something that I'm just going. Aha! You probably will find something. Everything that. you like. This is the epitome of the anti. <laughs> it's weird. There are. I mean, you know, I, I know um, Matt. Gets the uh, the credit a lot of time for being the the diverse one here, but there are crazy things in my library that go back to various uh, times in my life. I know I've got a little bit of Motown. Yeah, I, I went. I had an ELO phase actually. Oh, oh ELO is great. Okay, no, 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 no. Yeah. ELO is a great band. You, I, I'm. We're talking about something you should be guilty of. Do not be guilty of ELO. Uh, no, I am not. <laughs> um. <laughs> In fact, that was that's actually one of the bands I, I like to point to when I talk about uh, early arena rock um, roots. Because ELO was a full-fledged performance piece when they did their shows. No, of course, yeah. Um, heck, they might be better than Kiss at that. Well, that's like, for me, I don't really listen to um, Trans-Siberian Orchestra much on CD. You know, I'll listen to some of the songs. They're, they great, do a lot of live. Great, They're great live. Live, it's an experience where they have lights yeah. and it's this powerful Blue metal Group. orchestra. Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group, another they, great example. They made... Gallagher, another great example. Yeah. <laughs> she hears radio Hold shows. up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold up with Gallagher. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Um, Strike that, reverse it. Forget I said that part. Scratch it, reverse it. No, um, I think everybody, everybody's got something that they're not proud of. Um, and when it comes to music, dude, I think that that's just I how really, some people interpret it. The way I interpret it personally is that you have some no people, shame. That's what you're saying. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. That's, that's pretty much the punchline about it. I told you. I, I, I told you. I um I was going to be a douchebag here, and, and <laughs> I think that everyone else should be douchebags too. That's what I advocate if, for. If we come away from anything today, it's that Steve wants you, yes you, Mark, to be a douchebag. <laughs> Who's Mark? I don't know, but if there's I'm Mark sure listening, it'll be intense. That was right. so meta. Yeah, that's I tried. Right. It's like, not, this podcast really speaks to me, man. We're not, not saying that's how you talk, Mark. We're really sorry about that. We're in front Yeah, I don't know why you even used that voice, Steve. That was kind of not right. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mark. I'm sure there's a Mark out there who does talk that way. In which case, Mark, feel good about yourself. You had a wonderful voice. <laughs> there's so many people in the world. We've gone in a weird direction <laughs> with this one. Yeah, well, this is Steve's a, on drugs again. Quite an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to. Th- I, I really am trying to give your argument the benefit of the doubt and looking through uh, 
there are it just comes down to the stuff I criticize and there's stuff I revere and even the stuff that may, might not be uh, particularly in line with my personal ideas of what makes great music even that stuff has just the right amount of alternative ideas that I find you know to be of the right you know you, you get what I'm saying you know as me and John just don't don't get on my bag <laughs> somebody's cranky I guess the Everybody's coffee wore out something to hide no I have a lot more coffee monkey anyway um well I think we've kind of <laughs> taken this conversation as far as it's gonna go but uh this is a little bit of time you you can you can uh you can try to test me right now and come up with something that you think is a pure the, guilty pleasure. But that's not the point. A guilty pleasure is something that someone would I just know that self-recognize it, as something they feel guilty about. Like we have a friend who told us recently that for all of his bashing pop music, he likes Katy Perry as well. Then perhaps it's that. Perhaps it's it's just that... Uh, it's point it's of view. Pers- yeah, per- point of view. Personal perspective. You see it within yourselves, whereas I... I Point of view and personal perspective are the same thing. No, no, they're no? not. No, okay. they're, they're really not. So don't even try to pull that on me. <laughs> no, Matt. It, now Matt's the dude. <laughs> Whatever. You're, you're okay, talking about how we see things, and then you're talking about how we see things. See, there was extra. This ease. whole podcast is on drugs right now, guys. This, this, Go this, home, this podcast. You're when, drunk. When you come up with a co- with a topic that is. All based around perspective. At least we like walk the line, usually between like stuff that can be categorized. And uh, but this was totally just based on what do you think? What do you think? I don't believe that. I disagree with you. Again, with that voice. I'm sorry, That's Mark. A different it's voice. Funny. That's a different voice. That's a different Mark out there. And that Mark, no, it's fi- it's not fine. What okay. happened? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna try and put us back on the track. So um, <laughs> let's talk about what we're doing next week. Yeah, in closing. So, in John, closing. <laughs> what what's your pick for next week? Come um, back to this topic, maybe, maybe not. Uh, we this this album fell through the cracks. Uh, we talked about it previously. It's uh, Search Tankian's uh, newest album, Harakiri, which I actually haven't heard. I almost forgot about it. Yeah, we I heard think, the single from it way back. We talked about it on podcast in the early episodes. And uh, after today, I was inspired to find something that was a little more along the lines of new metal and hopefully more inspirational and energetic and everything like that. Because I love Surge, I love System of a Down, and I'm expecting the, the expectations of this album. It hasn't been this high since Muse. Ooh. Because I love Surge. So, so we'll I, see I what like happens. I system of a down. When it comes to solo work, this could uh, this could go either way. So yeah. I'm curious. I mean, I've heard some of his solo work and... It, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's kind of very... It, it is very different. I mean, you can definitely tell that there are similarities to, to System because he did a lot of the writing for System, but it's definitely his own as well. It's okay. the same relation pool, bleh, rela- but, relationship but, uh, with Les Claypool and Primus. Yes, they, they, they have similarities, but they can also go completely opposite directions depending. Yeah. That's, but that's like describing System of a Down. It, what, the Toxicity album, there's similarities between the songs, but they go in all different directions. That's why I love, I love Surge and why I have such expectations. I want something different, and I'm, I'm really hoping for that in this album. All right. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing next week. Um, as always, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, comment, email, crashcordsblog at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget, music is life, and life is good. <laughs>